Welcome back to Killer Fun. This is Christy. I'm Jackie. We're so glad you're back with us today. We look at the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week, and we are super happy that you are here with us. Yes. We are doing another escape room game. We've done this a couple times before. We're in section three of the game. So each one me too. The each one is self-contained. So that's good and kind of fun and each one is different. Well this one's the nuclear countdown. Okay, I gotta like say it right. It's spelled new and you clear C-L-E-A-R. So I'm gonna try and say it correctly because it's really easy to call it new nuclear nuclear where like you say it wrong and it really nuclear nuclear you're right nuclear that it's is not a word i recognized that was so hard to say it's really hard to say well there was a big to do about it like when george bush was president nuclear yeah Yeah, what did he used to say nuclear 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 he said it it weird he said it weird. Yeah, he so said I'm it gonna weird. So I'm going to try and really hard to say it properly because it's not a word that just flows right off the tongue. No, but we are in Texas, so we could probably get away with saying nuclear. <laughs> we could. But we won't. But we won't. Nuclear. It's kind of like using literal when you mean figurative. Do you know they added that? I know. To the I, dictionary. It made me really mad. It's I'm like, really no, 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 no. We upsetting. do not do this. We do we do not promote poor grammar in the dictionary. It's very bad. I mean, it's one thing to add slang words, you know, like when they added yo. Um, you yeah. know, that makes sense. But to literally add a definition uh-huh. <laughs> that literally means the opposite of the word that they intend to use. I mean, do we have to add sarcasm to the dictionary? That's what it is. They're adding a section. So now I bet, I bet four years from now, when we Google a word and the dictionary.com definition pops up on Google and you can see all of them, one section is going to be sarcastic uses. And then they can see, say but there. the thing is, is it's not actually a sarcastic use for a lot of people. It's not. They don't they, realize it. They just. They don't, they're like, my head is literally going to explode. No, your head is not literally going to explode unless you have a small nuclear bomb in it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. Well, I promise. (laughs) So, yeah, it annoys me. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, I can't control the dictionary people, but I can control how I use it. And I can, until my children no longer live in my house, I can make sure that they know the difference. That's true. We can correct them every time. (laughs) Every time. Excellent. All right. So I knew we were doing nuclear countdown. So I thought, I wonder what kind of nuclear true crime things there are. So I started thinking about it. I'm like, I would like to know more about this. It's a sad, dark rabbit hole, let me tell you. Oh, man. <laughs> but I have some some interesting stuff. So radiation is all around us all the time. Most of it's not dangerous. Our atmosphere does an excellent job of filtering out the most dangerous radiation that is pummeling the earth all the time. So that's really good. Right. Sun radiation. Yeah. There's things that make our cell phones stop working and, yeah. you know, things like that yeah. when they're flares. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's all that. It's fine. 
we're generally okay. And if there's radioactive materials or nuclear materials that are being produced for a reason, generally those are pretty well protected. They tend to try and handle them in a safe way. Okay. I would like to still know if there's criminal activity happening around Well, there's got to be, because so, that is a plot line, definitely, oh, on many of the shows that we enjoy. Oh, uh, yes, and for a long time, there's, a, I'll get to it in a little bit, but in the 80s, there was a whole slew of movies that were all about, like, you know, you heard about the satanic panic? Yes. Well, there was kind of a nuclear panic. Interesting. Uh-huh. Interesting. No, I think I said it wrong. Nuclear <laughs> panic, not nuclear. 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 Yeah. Criminals and terrorists may try and obtain radioactive materials by smuggling it or stealing it from a facility. But most of the time, when you see criminal activity with radioactive materials, it's typically through organized crime, and it's typically to cover up the improper disposal. Because disposing of radioactive materials is very expensive. It is very expensive. And they would like to cut their costs. So they're taking some shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. And so that's typically what most of that type of crime is. Not all of it, but a lot of it. There are nuclear detectives. (laughs) This is a thing. This is a thing. Like it's a real job. Which I'm like, that's so cool. Like, you can have the most boring job and the most interesting job all at once. I mean, that's... I mean, I've I've heard of, like, nuclear inspectors and things of that sort, but... Detective, what do their badges look like? (laughs) I don't know. That's not in my article, but I thought it was kind of interesting. And a lot of what they do is very similar to what any kind of traditional crime scene investigation, forensic investigation that you would do, but they have like a little bit more stuff put in there. So they might look at whether it was uranium or plutonium that was used. If it's like a bomb scenario, they're looking at it to how sophisticated was the device, trying to figure out who might have put it together And then they can study the isotopes and impurities in the samples and almost to the T determine where it came from because they're different all over the world and how they're handled and processed are different in different parts of the world. So they can narrow down where it came from. So was it stolen? Was it compromised? Was it, how did it end up? Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And then they compare it to like, blast site tests too because there's only so many places where this stuff is being created right yeah. you can't just average every day go <laughs> no right and it leaves a lot of fingerprints because it's radioactive and so it makes other things around it radioactive so there's like a you know invisible trail right that glows Yes, <laughs> theoretically, and maybe literally. And maybe literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for instance, there was the nuclear investigators, the forensic nuclear people who were solving, helping solve crimes. Not everything's big, because a lot of it's not bombs. Okay. So, yeah. th- there was a man in London in 2006 by the name of Alexander... Litvenico, 
he was in London and he was a former KGB agent and he had lunch with a Russian man and three weeks later, he died of radiation poisoning. Right. This yeah. is the recent yeah, assassination. This is, yes. This is... I remember this. Yes. I remember this being in the news because 2006 is not all that long ago. No. I mean, I was an adult watching news. Right. You know, if I was a kid, maybe I wouldn't remember it. But I re- recall this. And he had significant amounts of polonium-210 in his system, and they were able to trace it back to this Russian that he had a meeting with several weeks earlier. And they said, but they said that it's very rare that people commit homicide by radiation. Only the KGB, um, really, you know. And recently, again in London, uh, uh-huh. a retired spy and right. his daughter were also then poisoned. Right. And um, well, basically, if you die of radiation, it's the KGB. Uh you said it i said it i said it um you know i mean they're they're the ones who've been caught right it's mostly i would say stereotype it's a stereotype it's a stereotype let's you know i could be nicer about it but Uh, no you know but the truth is if if i die of of radiation randomly they're first on our list to look at well yeah pretty much honestly they're smart people oh very smart. If I were them, I'd find a new signature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, or maybe no signature at all. Mix it up a little bit. I mean, just something else. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I, I can see how it might be appealing if you want someone to suffer. I guess I think so. it's a pretty, not, it's not a very pleasant death. No. 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 Well, it's like dying from, you know, massive amounts of chemo slowly. Yes. It's what they're doing to them. Right. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're killing them slowly. Mm -hmm. And this is just more concentrated and slightly less slow. But every bit is awful. So how do these nuclear forensic scientists get their training? Mm -hmm. This is where I went next with it. There's an International Atomic Energy Agency. And they worked with the Hungarian National Nuclear Forensic laboratory and in October of 2018 so they had they put on this training session to help these forensic scientists to be able to analyze a crime scene effectively so the participants they developed analysis plans for samples from anything from um, murder or Mm -hmm. accidental exposure or a bomb Mm -hmm. and they set up a whole procedure of what they're going to do how they're going to analyze all of this information i thought it was really interesting and i'm like what a good idea let's like actually train the people so that internationally we can analyze them in the same way right makes sense yeah they also talked about how they should talk to law enforcement about their findings. So law enforcement wants to tell them, did somebody break a law? Did somebody steal, you know, material from a plant? What happened? And they said, all they really do, here is the characteristics. This is where we think it came from. Now, as to whether laws are broken or not, that depends on the country, depends on the district within the country that it varies from place to place. So the law enforcement is the one who have to determine 
whether there was actually a law broken. So I thought that was kind of interesting that the forensic scientists who are looking at this aren't necessarily a section of the law. I thought that was kind of interesting. So what does all this have to do with crime and entertainment? (laughs) What does this have to do with crime and entertainment? Other than the fact that we're playing a game called (laughs) Nuclear Countdown... Um, nuclear. nuclear. I think that's what you have to do. You have to go nuclear. 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 Yes. There was a movie starring Meryl Streep in 1983. It was nominated for, I think, five Academy Awards, and it was called Silkwood. I have not heard of this. Oh. It, the name sounded familiar to me, but it's not a movie that I've seen. Okay. It was about a woman named Karen Silkwood. And the Time Magazine article that I found that explains all this was so interesting. I have to read like the first sentence of the article because it's just, it's great. Karen Silkwood was either a martyr among whistleblowers and nuclear safety activists, or if you believe her employer's account, a lunatic who smeared plutonium on the bologna in her fridge. (laughs) I'm like... Wow, that's a big leap. You're either like a hero or the villain. Really completely out of your mind because that's a terrible way to go. That's a very, and I can't help but immediately picture what plutonium jelly looks like. (laughs) You know? I think it was more like trace amounts because I don't think you need like a full on jelly. In my mind, (laughs) it's like. I see a knife and a, you know, and a smear of plutonium. (laughs) Then we bring out the black light. Yes, and it glows. And everything lights up. Wouldn't that be fun for like Halloween or even just other holidays to make, you know, condiments that kind of glow? Oh. That would be kind of fun. As long as it's not radioactive. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, I've got that island in my kitchen with the two little lights over it, put little black lights in it. Yes, and then then I'd be absolutely disgusted by the other things that I didn't mean to blow. (laughs) That's right. You do have to be careful about that. Ooh, yeah, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. What other holidays are you going to use this for? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess at Christmas you could make them like glow, (laughs) you know, with lights. So if you made Christmas cookies, you could have a string of lights on it that actually kind of glow. That would be fun. Okay. (laughs) I can't make this happen. Somebody out there, please make this happen. Because I think they would be amazing. Uh Um, But I can't do that. Cookies that glow under black lights. Cookies that glow. Baking's not my thing. Not my thing. Yeah. I don't mind cooking. But I, I don't really care to bake. I don't do baking. Yeah. I make one pile. I don't have to bake that. Yeah. So, and I, I do have to cook it though. Yeah. Because it's a it's a type of custard pie. Oh, and okay. And in order to make But it's all on the, on stove. the stove top. Yeah. Okay. Do yeah. you like cook the, the Yeah, I make crust? the custard from scratch. Um, but it depends on the crust. Uh, it depends on the mood. So, okay. I do often make just a graham cracker crust from scratch. And, oh, okay. You know, you, that's easy. Butter and graham cracker, and then yeah, you oh bake yeah. it for like yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, no, that's not baking. But that's not like that's mixing not, flour and, no, you know, no. having to know, like, is it going to rise properly no. and all Me that. and baking, that starts with Bisquick. Yeah. That's where that starts. <laughs> See, but you're kind of scientific, so I would think that you might enjoy that. I never follow a recipe, like, ever. Really? Oh, no. well, I change everything. Like, ever. Yeah. I don't that's hardly fair. even look up recipes. I just do. 
Oh. That's the creative side of me. Oh, I just there kinda, you go. Like, I made taco soup recently. Uh-huh. It's not a recipe I looked up. I'm sure there is one. But me, I was like, hmm, soup. I'd like soup. And as okay. I'm making the soup, it was like the, the story of the of the rock soup, you know? Yeah. You with everything. I just kept it. And then I was like, oh, taco seasoning. And oh, made taco my. soup. And my kids were like, slurp. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so on the one hand, that's awesome that you can do that. On the other hand, when they ask for it again, you have no idea what you did. I kind of, yeah, I have to kind of remember some basics. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do that a lot, hard. and I can't, I'm like, that was amazing. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm glad know. you enjoyed it the once, because that's the only time we're ever going to have it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I digress. Karen Silkwood. <laughs> She was a lab technician in the Keir McGee plutonium plant in Crescent, Oklahoma. Okay. This was the early 1970s. And she became very concerned about the safety procedures and the quality control failures that she saw within this plant. Hmm. She was very, very worried about it, was worried for herself. She was worried for her fellow employees. So they all worked for a union, as foreign as that sounds now, because we don't really have unions very much no, anymore. Not as much as we used to. That's no, and she was elected to the bargaining committee for that union, and so she ended up testifying before the uh, United States Atomic Energy Commission about the unsafe working conditions, trying to get it changed. So after she did that, she uh, was going to meet with a New York Times reporter. In November of 1974. And she had a big folder full of photos and documents to illustrate the safety problems that were happening. And she never made it to that meeting. Ooh. Her car crashed and she died in the car crash. And the folder full of evidence that she was taking to share with the reporter was never found. Oh, see, see, now we know. We know it's not an accident. Well, so they had a private investigator hired by the union Mm -hmm. look into it. And he found that there were dents in the back of her car. They cannot verify where they came from, but no one remembers them being in the back of the car before this night. So it's possible that they were already there. It's also possible that they were put there when she was pushed off the road. That said... They did an autopsy, and they found prescription sedatives and trace amounts of alcohol in her blood. So the police concluded that she fell asleep at the wheel because she was inebriated in some way, either by the sedatives or the alcohol, and she fell asleep, and they ruled it as an accident. Well, now, what time was the accident in the day? Do we know? I think it was in the evening, she was supposed okay. to go and meet this. So this couldn't have been like leftover from having taken a sleeping aid and having a drink the night before mm, in the morning. Probably not. My understanding is that she was somewhere in the evening with other people and then was leaving to go and meet this this reporter. All right. So in addition to finding the sedatives in her system when they did the autopsy. They also found so much radiation poisoning that cancer was essentially guaranteed to be something that was going to happen to her sooner rather than later. Interesting. She was a very, very contaminated. Now, 
How the plutonium ended up in her body is a matter of contention. Obviously, it came from the plant. The... Obviously. Well, I mean, it's not like she went to the corner store and picked it up. I mean, you know, she's not like the prospector out there digging for plutonium. Well, and it's not like... There's no situation like... uh, What's that movie? Back to the Future. (laughs) You know? I mean, there's a reason why it was like a, a big deal to have to you know, get it from somebody. Right. I mean, flux capacitors weren't on Amazon at that time. Well, yeah, exactly. And And they did not sell plutonium jelly. Right. You know, exactly. (laughs) They might have, never mind. I'm going to not go down the rabbit trail. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. So it was in her lungs and her digestive tract. Um, She had set off monitors when she was leaving. I guess they had monitors to check them as they left to make sure that they weren't contaminated before they went out and they had scrubbed her clean and whatever, but they found a lot of plutonium contamination in her apartment. Yeah. Like even in her kitchen, there was, they went into her refrigerator and there was a bologna and cheese sandwich that was contaminated. That is very interesting. So it's either what Kara McGee which is the company that ran the plant, said happened was that she was intentionally contaminating herself in order to solidify her case that they were being unsafe. That's what they claim. Or they were not able to get her, she was contaminated and they were not able to get her clean enough to not take that contamination home. I mean, I just can't understand the impact of that amount of contamination. I mean, I got so many questions. I have so many questions that I'm sure the movie answers. Oh, probably. You know. I think it's on YouTube, but it's one of those where, like, it takes up, like, a quarter or a third of the screen, and then they have, like, something else going on in the background to get around the copyright laws. (laughs) I watched just, like, five minutes of it. But it's a movie from 1983, so it doesn't move as fast as what we're accustomed to. And I was busy doing other stuff, so I didn't really get that into it. I'm sure it answers a lot of it. So you think you would think that she might be losing her hair at that point? That she would be showing signs of this radiation poisoning that other people would have been like, "Whoa, something is going wrong with you." Right. Well, and. I don't I don't know. That's an interesting question. But mm. so they claim that she was contaminating herself, but it really gave the anti-nuclear community a really strong evidence to inspect these facilities and make sure that they were safe and vindicating her claims, the Cure McGee plant closed about a year after her death. Oh, see. Well, because one of two things. Even if she was intentionally contaminating herself, the fact that they didn't catch it is well, still the fact, on them. The fact that she could get out of there with right. it they in should have, some way. They should have caught on to that really fast. Yeah. So, and they didn't. And they didn't. So, so whether or not they, you know. Right. So interesting thing. Let's see. Uh, Karen's boyfriend, uh, his name was Drew Stevens. 
He loved the movie. He said it was magic. It makes a human out of Karen. He loved it. The rest of her family, her parents and her roommate, who also worked with her at the plant, Sherry, did not like the movie at all. Why? (laughs) Because they said it portrayed Karen and Sherry as stupid. Now... They had kind of a southern... I can see where they maybe kind of thought that a little bit, watching just the like five or ten minutes of the movie that I saw. They did. They seemed very almost uneducated, but really not really even uneducated. They just kind of had an accent. I didn't think it's, it portrayed them as dumb, but... Did it make their accent more pronounced in the movie than it is in real life, I, I guess? Don't, I don't know. Maybe. And you maybe. know what? People with Southern accents aren't dumb. No, they're not. They're and not. I And I don't know if they... I don't know exactly why, but they said they, did, they didn't like the portrayal in the movie. They felt like that it, it made them look unintelligent, and they were both intelligent women. Interesting, this movie set a legal precedent. How? Okay, so the same First Amendment rights that protect journalists to have confidential informants right. also protects filmmakers now. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Well, now so, that's... Wow. So because it was based on a true story, they didn't have to reveal where all of their information came from. They had to reveal if something was fictionalized... But they didn't have to reveal where their information that they believed was factual came from because they're protected under a First Amendment right under a, like a journalism. That is, that is, I never, no. I never made that jump in my head. No, never. but no, that they could be making this film that also kind of jumps over into journalism. Especially because it, it is a fictionalized film it's not a documentary no it's it's a right a biopic yeah but um that's i never made that jump in my head mm-hmm. that's very interesting so, so what caused them to nail this down did somebody come and try to find out things from the filmmakers and then they had to kind of stand their ground yes, about it i believe so <gasps> yes and they were yes so Kier McGee, when the the company that ran the plant, they threatened legal action if they portrayed anything that was not a hundred percent factual when it was associated with Karen Silkwood's death. So the original ending of the movie was that Karen left a party, she got in her car, started to drive away, and then lights on another car came on and it the car went after her okay so they had to take that bit out of the movie so the only thing that they had in the movie was her driving she sees headlights behind her and the next thing you know is there's a car accident and she's dead okay so it was very unclear in the movie though i think if you're watching the movie and you see this and you realize she's she realizes she's being followed well and that's the art of filmmaking right? yeah exactly so <laughs> Because they're not stating a fact, but they can show you things that really do a good job of implying things. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so from the late 70s to the early, I think the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, there were a whole bunch of movies having to do with nuclear stuff, including Silkwood, their earliest of these that's about 
nuclear warfare was the China Syndrome, and then there were some that I'd heard of, War Games, the Manhattan Project, oh, Rules yeah. of Engagement, but there's a dozen more that all had to do with this. This was Some of those are really good. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are really good. So there's, a, it, you know, it was interesting. It was a very top of mind for people yeah. in the 80s. Well, well, and I can remember, do you remember doing the, the drills? Okay, so we didn't ever do drills. Okay. However, my mom did. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this isn't, it didn't start in the 80s or even the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We, we've had, you know, nuclear well, threat for quite a while. Um, but she remembers, right. you know, the whole get under your I desk re- and whatnot. I can remember doing that, too. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I can remember thinking even then, well, we watched this movie. I don't know why we watched this movie. Whose bright idea it was? I had to be... <laughs> fourth or fifth grade and it was all about like what happened after a nuclear bomb went off near some large u.s city there was this it was all about this woman and her family and her kids and her husband disappears and like two of her kids die from radiation poisoning this is horrible i don't know why we watched this but i also remember watching that and she was many miles away from the blast site and you know her kids are dying and then they had us hide under our desks as a drill and i'm like what's that gonna do right that's not gonna do anything it's gonna gonna do nothing i'm just gonna die under a desk (laughs) yeah exactly you know yeah no and my mother thought the same thing when she was young really she she could tell you that she thought well this This is just ridiculous show right Uh here a theater Uh you know this is to make you feel slightly better like you're doing something Uh like you're doing something i will tell you my grandmother's house my grandmother and grandfather's house built you know late 40s right early 50s in the basement it had a cellar area and then in the back of that was the bomb shelter wow yeah i mean they just you know stored like peas and corn down there but you know and um it was there and you're thinking well this this probably isn't going to do anything however it was fairly shielded so you know um if a blast was far enough away or i guess i don't know but very yeah. interesting. I remember walking back there because it was such an adventure to go into, <laughs> to go into the bomb shelter. Small little space back oh. here, you know. Bomb and, shelters aren't a thing anymore. And I, uh, I always no. wonder if it's because they were expensive or if it was because they were found primarily ineffective. You know, I think in areas where they still build basements, it wouldn't be that hard to just make a part of it like a bomb shelter. Right. They just don't do it anymore, but... Um, but here where we live, there's no basements. And so right. you can't, if you were to build a bomb shelter, that would be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in Georgia, everybody had a basement. So, I mean, to put bricks up in one area, well, yeah, yeah it was no big deal. No big deal. Um, yeah. And I think most people just stored their wine down there. Yeah. Know? Yes. It was, it was a was nice cool and dark. Yeah. yeah. 78 degrees. Yeah. There you um, go. Although I have to say it wasn't a fully closed door. It's not like there was a, oh, a good door. There, yeah. It, and so you just kind of went into this space. And on the other side was, you know, another more closed in actual cellar space, really. Uh-huh. So it's still cool. But there was a nice window. Oh, well, that seems like it defeats the purpose unless it's a specially treated window. Ineffective. Even then, yeah. Yeah, ineffective. I think even they thought that was a little silly, but whatnot. Yeah, you know. well, whatever, you know. <laughs> it was there when we bought the house, so yeah, fine. fine. Extra storage space, right? Right. All right. So shall we start our game? Oh, we need to start this game. All right. All right. So we don't start our timer, 
our fun little chrono decoder (laughs) (laughs) until after we've read the information. I like it. Okay, and we have decided we're going to read our hint cards right away. Yeah. Instead of waiting until we get to 40 minutes in to read hint cards because we've had issues with that. Yeah, we we need a little, this is our handicap right here for the game. Yeah. So on the front, it's William Teller is the suspect. His crime is placing a bomb in an apartment. So I guess we're going to investigate that. All right. Nuclear, nuclear countdown. (laughs) I'm going to struggle with this the entire time. The beeping of the fax machine catches you off guard. You didn't even know it was plugged in. Who still uses a fax anyway? Right. So there with that. Intrigued by the old-fashioned beeping, you walk to the fax machine. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not that old. That Jeez. is so funny. Okay. The fax is a bomb threat, not the first that you've seen, and probably not the last. It says that a bomb will go off tonight somewhere downtown. No ransom, no demands, no reason, just a single piece of information. If you had a penny for every bomb threat that came into the office since you've been working at the agency, you'd be rich. Mostly drunk teens on a dare or a confused man that needs a little attention. It was always easy to separate a real threat from just prank or desperate cry for help. This threat definitely had all of the characteristics for the do-not-take-serious pile, otherwise known as the garbage can. 30 minutes later, you're distracted once again by the sound of the fax machine, and it's the same message, plain and simple. You get a very bad feeling and decide to take the threat seriously. You call your boss for permission to put a team together. Don Rubin, a 58-year-old veteran, is not amused. He reminds you of your silly goose chase during your first week and says he really thought he'd taught you better. You think back to that first bomb threat when you panicked and warned the whole agency that the world was coming to an end. It was a rookie mistake. But somehow this felt different, and every bone in your body was telling you that this was no false alarm. Well, then you listen to it Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be wrong. You decide to lie and tell some of your colleagues that you have permission to react on a threat and you form a team. The facts was easy to trace. It was from a small apartment on the wrong side of town, Railkin Street 3705. You and your team head out, and 23 minutes later, you knock on the door of one William Teller. No answer. The lock on the door was worn down as the building you're standing in, and within seconds... You're in the apartment. You see a table that is filled with all kinds of materials and that send shivers down your spine. You see a flickering red light in the corner. It's the fax machine. You're certain now this is no joke. It's the real thing. Only you and your team can stop a disaster from happening. You and your team start searching the place immediately for clues. At that moment, Don Rubin calls you back and says a man named William Teller has been arrested at the Riverview restaurant. He was making a big scene saying he wanted a window seat to watch the explosion at 8 p.m. sharp. You look at your watch and realize that's in exactly one hour. Bum, bum, bum. So we open this envelope, make sure we have all the contents, and then we press the start button. Okay. Okay. Well, now this one's kind of interesting, I all have right. to say. Yeah. Compa- I, the other ones were too, but I, right. I'm more intrigued by this one. Okay. So ooh, you can pop these things out. It has a bit of a, dare I say, diehard feel. Uh-huh. <laughs> it does a little bit. <laughs> so we have, do we need two receipts, okay, which we have. Where's that one from? Welcome 
in the kiosk. Welcome in the kiosk. That's weird. Kiosk Tower of Grand Fenwick. Okay. Two receipts, and then we have some notes. Oh, dear. You gotta pop all this stuff out. And the other one's from the uh, bar, restaurant, and Riverview, where the guy was just arrested. Now, did we get an age on this guy, William Teller? No. No? Well, he's definitely older because he ordered soup, salad, and coffee. Oh, it's like an old man order if I've ever uh, Yeah, I mean, not that I uh, never <laughs> order coffee with a meal, but that's that's a... Well, I... Okay. That's a senior I discount don't, special. Yeah. <laughs> I don't typically order coffee with soup. No. That seems like two warm things. Maybe it was really cold that day. I think he's just old. He's just he's just an old guy using his fax machine. <laughs> his fax machine. <laughs> his fax machine. I um, would love to know what my kids would do if they heard a fax machine. Or if they heard the sound of dialing onto the internet yes. back in the day. Ooh, do you ever watch Halt and Catch Fire? Mm-mm. Okay, the last season wasn't my favorite, honestly. Uh-huh. However, the first few seasons, absolutely amazing. And it's so fun because you get to re- relive all of your early tech. Ooh, fun. That's great. That's cool. All right, so we have two receipts, some notes, a flyer. We have a flyer? Maybe it's this, the Grand Station. Oh, I guess so. A diary page, trace printout. I don't know what a trace printout is. Cloakroom receipt. Oh, here, here, trace GPS. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Uh, Cloakroom receipt, a bomb guide, which I think is this big thing. Uh, Oh, no, that's the game board. Beginner bomb bomb diffuse. Oh, okay. And string. We have a string. What do we need a string for? That's weird. Okay. A string. Okay. Well, here we go. Okay. All right. It's not just a string. It's a shoelace. Yeah. It's got like... they call it a string. They've got aglets on the end. Thank you, Phineas and Ferb, for teaching me aglets. Aglets. (laughs) A-G-L. It's got a whole little song and everything. Okay. Well, we have our hint cards. Do we want to do those before we... Press the button to start the timer, or do we want to start them? I I think we ought to. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the first hint card we're going to read, there's four total. What's our deal for this first section? Oh, gee, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, critical question during interrogation. At what time was William at the eight locations on March... 22nd. Eight locations. Okay. okay. So we do. We have a we have a GPS okay. trace. I suppose they use their phone. Okay. So, I mean, if he had a phone that they could trace, why do you have okay. to fax it up? Never mind. I don't know, man. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Nine. Okay. That's not eight. But, That's not eight, but okay. Less. All right. So we want to know what time William was at the locations. Okay. That's the first hint card. The second hint card. So we're trying to figure out where he was. Use the string. Eliminate one location because it's too far. Eliminate two locations that are too close. Okay. That doesn't really make sense. Okay, maybe it'll make more sense in a minute. All right, the third one. 
Yet during interrogation, William said, follow my footsteps to the five remaining locations with the string and see the shape. Remember, I visited one location twice. Okay. And then which location is shaped like the string? Uh, Let's press start on that. Okay. All right. So we don't really have like a... I feel like we're missing something. Usually we have like... Yeah, like, like, a, like something to go for. Some okay. Do we have a pencil? Because I think that when yes. we mark these uh, yes. GPS locations, we might want to actually, because we could just put the time on top of them. Okay, we uh, let's look at this. So we've got this grid, this map. It's got an X and a Y axis, and it's the map of Grand Fenwick, which is the town that we're supposed to be in. X37, Y36. Uh-huh, so... Which is Grand Fenwick University. Okay, so he was here at 9.18 a.m. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, We don't Um, know where he was at 10. Right. So let's do the next one. Okay. Mark it. I got Uh, got Y over here. Okay. So X24. And Y29. So Fenwick Gardens. He was there at 11.46 a.m. And then at 4.48, he was at X29, Y22. The restaurant. The restaurant. Uh Uh-huh. At 4.48. See, I told you. Old. (laughs) He is. He's an old man. He had to set his bomb to go off early so he could eat an early dinner and get his discount. (laughs) Or he he set his bomb to go off at a reasonable time, 8 o'clock, but... He had to get to the restaurant. He had to get there early. Uh, really early to, to make sure he had a, a window. Yeah. Although right. I will say the reservation. Uh-huh. Is for 8 p.m. Well, is for 7.15 oh. oh, 7.15. Oh. So maybe he went there to make oh. a reservation? Okay. Maybe. Okay. So this is like from his. Uh, Calendar. Yeah. Like his uh, planner. Old man using Old his man. planner. Okay. He's, so he's got a reservation at 8 p.m. at Riverview. And then no, he's supposed to have... At oh, at 7.15 at Riverview. And then he's having uh, tea with his mom the next morning. What a nice terrace. Uh-huh. Aw. So check, check locations. locations. Oh. So these are some of the places he's been. The gardens, the stadium, the cathedral. Oh, oh, oh. Afternoon service. That's got to be the cathedral. Yes. At, because he was there between 2.15 and 3.50. Yes. And the service is from 2.30 to 3.30. Right. So he was definitely at the cathedral. So he went to the service. Right. So, so he's he went a to religious mama's oh, boy Oh, yay, a zealot. How exciting. Yay! <laughs> he has a little note here. Oh, what is it saying? With a bomb smiley face. Oh, yeah. Because that's not incriminating. So funny and brilliant. After today, the only way to see that special shape is to walk my route Via the five remaining locations. Because after the bomb goes off, that shape will be gone forever. Oh, so Do we know where the... He's one of these who has a obsession with some sort of shape. Uh-huh. Is it the... Well, Franconi? but don't we know the... Oh, I guess we don't know where the bomb is. We don't know where the bomb is. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking it was at the apartment, but because it's not. How many locations are on the board? Uh, eight, nine, eight. 
eight different locations because he went to the stadium twice. That's why there was nine. But how many are on the board? Oh. One, two, three, four, five. At least 21. Here's a note to his mom. Dear mom, if they found this letter, I've been arrested by the police for placing a bomb. I'm very sorry, mom, but it is my duty to make the world a better place. I had to see it. Love, William. Don't forget, combination lock is on answering machine. Okay. Okay. You know they're trying to make this look like Boston. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. No, I didn't realize that. There, well, the bridge here uh-huh. is like is it's like, like the, the... To- like not the Tobin. Oh. <laughs> See, I, it is the Tobin Bridge, but it's just funny because I get them mixed up because yeah. we have a Tobin theater. S- yes, um, but this bridge is like there, and then see, like the map itself doesn't, but all the little things okay are are like it. You know, the underground, okay. the underground to the airport, the underground metros. Okay, like the way that just the kind of the way. Yeah, the way it it's works. all. And maybe that wasn't their intention, but maybe not. Nevertheless. What if he went to the high tech lab? Okay. Because it's right next to it. And maybe that's where he got this this instruction oh, thing. Okay. What does so it, I'm gonna look at this more, but okay. I think maybe the, Yeah, the beginner's bomb diffusal guide. <laughs> I mean, I guess Bomb everybody's got to start somewhere, I mean, right? <laughs> you know, okay. cliff notes for uh-huh. for bombs one hundred and one. Okay, yeah, it is. It is the cha- chapter four eleven. Uh huh. The Italian the suitcase, suitcase bomb. bomb. So this is okay. some sort of like checklist thing. Okay, some sort of thing. It looks like something. It's page seventy nine of chapter four one one. Okay. 411. Call sorry, information. 411. <laughs> Chapter no, 411. I mean, no, it's, it's just funny because it's well, like I you know. call 411 for information. information to get your beginner's bomb defusal instructions. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> so I think that that looks yes. like the bridge, don't you? Okay, but that doesn't tell us what code we need to put in. We don't we all we know is we can look at the shape and what we can figure out is we can rule I think from the shape we can rule out the university. Yes. From our, our right. where'd that little thing go? Oh it's right here. Oh, I think we can rule out the university. Um and so we have the three not- locations is the stadium, uh-huh, the tower, and the GF bridge. Okay. This would give him a view of all three. Right. Okay. So the bomb is in one of those three locations. Right. So what is our code? Well, it says... I feel like we need to be moving on. I know. Like, we're really <laughs> not making just, much progress no. here. No. I feel like we've made good progress. I feel like I, yeah. probably the Grand Fenwick Bridge is where it's at, but we can't open the next section. And- it's just the numbers. Yes. So 16 and 22. That's where the red dot is. Right. So now that we know where it is, that's the code. Well, it could be any of the three locations. That's the code. Oh, okay. Uh Uh-huh. All right. You're confident. Yes. (laughs) 16, 22. All right. Dare we? Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, see, that makes sense because that's where the text was from. Right. 
Okay. Yes. So now we know it's on the bridge. We know at least one's on the bridge. Yeah. I don't know how he takes out. I don't know either, man. But okay. So here's part two. Okay. So we save uh-huh. these things. Yeah. There's there's stuff in here that's going to come into play. Uh, yeah, I probably. Think. All right. So it's got a fun little box. So part two. Uh, I never expected you to find the suitcase bomb in time underneath the railing of the beautiful bridge, but you did. I warn you, if the bomb does not explode, all of the bad people can keep on infecting society with their poison. But you are only halfway now, and you still have to open the combination lock on the suitcase first. I had to write a hint on the suitcase because I keep forgetting the code. I did encrypt it, so you won't be able to understand it anyway. Even if you manage to open the suitcase, you'll still have to defuse the bomb correctly. There's no way you can manage it out in time. The clock is ticking, William. Okay, so we have to figure out how to open this. So part three is inside of this, and we have to open this. Don't open the suitcase before you've entered the correct code on the second decoder. The answering machine, number one, ton secret three. So I think that whatever, that's his code. Uh, Yes, you need to call the number with your own phone and get the combination lock to open the suitcase. What if we... What if we made? What if we use the numbers on I was, on the phone? I was just looking at this yeah. because you know it could be like T nine going on here. Yeah. So what's the number for T? Is eight. Okay. So, and what about there isn't an O, right? Yeah. There, it's six. there is. Oh, I thought they eight, must six. O off. No, no, no. Oh, okay, That's it's M-N-O. six. Okay, eight, eight six. six. N six six S seven E three. C two R seven T eight so eight six six oh that's seven it. three because that's toll free it's a okay. game <laughs> it's a- <laughs> it's a game it has to be toll free all right <laughs> oh so do we actually have to call this number you think I think we do oh okay so I'm gonna do it the count to the combination lock is five four one one oh excellent good job. Okay. Creepy. Oh, voice, that man. is creepy. Oh, and it hung up on us too. Oh, oh. Isn't that cool. All okay. Right. You know what's funny? What? Oh, I I almost said, "What if it's just four one one with something?" <laughs> and it is. Is it's it's five four one one. Hmm. Okay. All right. So now we can open this. We got inside of it. And what's funny Excellent. is, is he was there at five oh two. You look at the hint cards okay. while I open this. Oh, there's three. Because we've got 20 minutes. 20, just under 20 minutes. Oh, it's oh. a puzzle. Jeez, I didn't know I needed to be like in puzzle training for this. Right. Did you see, speaking of puzzles, did you see that uh, puzzle thing where the lady recognized, lady or I don't know, or guy, some artist recognized that they were using the same die cut for different puzzles and yes! then mixed them up. I thought that was super cool. That was cool. super cool. Okay, now we got the puzzle together. Okay. All right. So now we have to diffuse the bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we have to... This says... Four of the eight wires have to be cut. We have to cut them in the right order. 
Okay. So we've got to cut four of these uh-huh. eight wires, and we have to cut the colors in the right order, right? Okay. So that's what we're looking at. So we have these color-coded right. right here. Okay. So our our code is going to be letters this time. Okay. Definitely. Okay. So look, we have some of them marked green-brown. So green and brown is G. So I'd say not G, right? Well, no, I think, I think that's what we do cut. This is what we do cut. So that's two of what we do cut. Why is there Morse code on the back? I don't know. But it's I don't know that we have time to figure that out. White must be cut at the nuclear explosive. Okay. Um, oh, always make sure to cut blue before you cut the nuclear explosive. Okay. So we know white at the nuclear explosive. We're running out of time. Oh, oh. we're exploded. Oh, that's all right. Well, this one can't be the explosive, right? Always cut the wire at the ignition before you cut orange. So this is just like what we did the last time. It's just the logic puzzle. Yeah. It's just a logic problem. It it is, but it's... We did this. We've done this. Uh Uh-huh. One, the ignition nuclear fuse detonator. One, two, three, four, right? Uh-huh. Okay, so here's what I was about to say. Okay, um, so the ignition, you have to cut the wire ignition before you cut orange, which that makes sense. Yes. You have to cut blue before you hit the nuclear explosion. Well, okay. explosion's number two. Uh-huh. So, so we it have has to, to be hit... the green and blue. Yep. Because it's the only blue that's available. Okay. So that's green and blue is C. Okay. So it's C D F B B. Okay. Wait, wait. Why do you, why why do we know that one? Why do we know detonator? Oh, I don't know how we know detonator. We don't. We don't. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> and then so we okay. have red and yellow and but, brown and yellow. Okay, but we've already cut red and black. But it, it at was the fuse. Black. Yeah, but if we can, if we mark out, you cut the colors only once. It was red and black, so red and yellow would be out because we've already cut a red one once, even though black was our clue. So I kind of went down this path thinking about that, uh-huh. actually, um, if there was two colors in one. But if that would be the case, you would cut all eight. You would cut eight. I don't know. Like I just don't know about that. I feel like the whole point of him doing the wires that way was to make it harder to know which color was yeah. which. I think it's E. I think it's brown and yellow. You think it's brown and yellow? Mm-hmm. I do. And since we're 20 minutes past our time, yeah. uh, I think we give it a try. Okay. All just right. go for it. So Is it a C, hunch? D, F, E. There we go. There we go. There we go. All, All right. right. Well, we diffused the bomb 20 minutes after we exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, in our defense, I feel like the very first section had very little help. Like, uh, like the this, this clues weren't very helpful. Yeah, I think I the culprit like was, for us was this damn well, puzzle. Yes. Because, quite frankly, we were able to put the puzzle together just fine, but we spent an inordinate amount of time actually just With trying the, to keep the pieces together. together. Yes. And so, Agreed. had they made the puzzle to stay together... Yes. Um... Had they not been cheap on the Then puzzle, I feel like we would have hit we our might, time. Well, we might have understood it more quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we would have hit our time. 
But I don't know. <laughs> that one took us a while. It did. But that's okay. Par for the course. Don't get used to winning the game. I am really sad we weren't quicker with the logic puzzle at the yes, end. Yes, especially since we just did logic we puzzles. We just did logic puzzles. And we still have no idea what the Morse code is on the back. I don't think it's a thing. <laughs> I think it's just there to be confusing. Oh, all right. Well, well, next time it's going to be our Christmas episode because Christmas is just around the corner. I can't you believe it? I can't, I can't either. So, what Christmas movie has both crime and entertainment and other people doing stuff like this that we're not able to do? Exactly, diffusing bombs and things. Die Hard. Hello. Only best. one of the greatest Christmas movies. Second, I but think only to a Christmas story. Absolutely, which is by far my favorite Christmas uh, movie. TBS starts playing it, and uh, yes. I play it continuously yes. until it stops. Yes, mm-hmm. me too. Yep. Like that's my favorite thing. Is like, ooh, when it's time to stuff the stockings because Santa only comes for children; he doesn't come for adults. So you know, we have to stuff the adult stockings. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it works in our house. And, you know, it's always, where is it going to be in the Christmas story or a, the, a, a Christmas, Christmas story, story, not the Christmas story. It's a, a Christmas, Christmas story. story. Yes. Uh, yes. Just yesterday I had to write on a box, fragile. And as I wrote it, I said, uh-huh. fragile. Yes, <laughs> of course. Awesome. All right. So but next week, next time, John McClane, John McClane. Yes. Yes, Bruce Willis, when he was super, super hot. And super young. Oh, so young. Oh, yeah, rated R. I might still watch it with my 14-year-old. He might be able to handle that. It's it's mainly language, right? It's Well, it's a lot of violence, but yeah. it's it's not... There's not a lot of sex. No, and, no. It's, it's, and the violence is huge, but yes. it's not... It's not so personal. Totally nasty, yeah. you know? Awesome, awesome. Oh, and Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rest in peace, our our favorite villain. All right, so if you want to follow us on social media, do find us on Twitter, Killer Fun Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Killer Fun Exploring the Intersection of Crime and Entertainment. Or you can email us, killerfunpodcast at gmail.com. So... Do that, and then, you know, watch Die Hard. I mean, if we have to twist your arm to watch Die Hard, I don't know why you're here. I don't know. So So go watch it and come back and join us and let us all discuss it together. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.